Let me, uh, I figured out a different way to set this up, so let me do that quickly. Um, figure out all these new buttons. All right. After a busy week like we have had, the temptation can be to, um, to, little, to pack it in on a day like today. Because, uh, you know, we, we've spent a lot of energy, and so we have very little left for God. And so I would just encourage you today that God doesn't deserve our second best. You've given a lot of energy this week, and that's important. But, but when it comes to worshiping Him, okay, there, there is an aspect of our worship that happens this week when we help other people and, and uh, work to... Uh, to do a wedding like we had yesterday, but but what I don't want us to think is that, you know, so now I've kind of done my act of worship. That's one act of worship. And so now when we come together, it's okay if I'm a little tired and I'm not really giving my full attention. Um, God demands our best and God deserves our best, doesn't He? And so um, I just want to encourage all of us, including myself, Try to engage in worship today. This is about God. It's about um, pleasing Him. And um, so today we want to talk about prayer. And uh, if you've been in church for a long time, it's not surprising that, that there are going to be lots of talk about prayer. And so let me explain from the outset that while much of what is said today is going to be um, what you've normally heard or what you've heard before, and I'm just going to remind you, and that's good. That's okay. It's not, I'm not trying to come and bring a bunch of new stuff and just want to remind you what you already know. But I want to just say that, that the focus is going to be on, um, on something different. First, we're going to look at the role that prayer has to play in our life as a church, not individually. So the role that prayer has to play in our church as a whole. We call that either corporate prayer, that just means a corporate body of believers, or congregational prayer. And I'm probably going to refer to it either way, but that just means for us to pray as a church as a whole. And then second, because we're focusing on our prayer as a church, we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about this aspect of our worship. And um, so we've, we've seen this. Uh, we've seen this idea that that if we come together and are honoring God in the way that we live, in our preaching, and in our uh, love for one another, in our then it's going to produce unity within our church, and that's what we're trying to maintain. The Spirit is working in us to produce and to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace and. Prayer actually helps to do that. So this is really just another way that we're going to see this. Think of this verse, which is applicable really to what happened yesterday. Think in John chapter 13, verse 35. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Or Paul in Ephesians 3 says, His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God would be made known would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus. What we're going to see today is that prayer has a very central part of our lives 
as a Christian body of believers. And so it makes sense that prayer is actually going to promote unity within our church. It's going to remove the divisions, actually. That's really the opposite of unity, isn't it? And uh, so given that, we want to see that, that prayer glorifies God by showing our dependence Prayer glorifies God by showing our dependence upon God. There we go. It honors Him as the source of all blessing. It reminds us that the salvation of individuals and the growth of His church and His work is His work and it's not ours. That we have to turn to God in prayer. You know, we can get involved in doing and doing and doing a lot of things but if we never approach God in prayer and ask for His help, either corporately or individually, what are we saying about the work that's being done here? Give me some ideas. What are we saying? Okay, it's God really... It, we're not really counting on you to help us. We can do this on our own. And, and you know that in your own life as well. I know that in my life. That there are seasons of time where I go without praying. And what am I saying by that? That I, I'm not asking God to provide for my needs because, you know what, I can handle it on my own is essentially what I'm saying, right? And so in, in the corporate gathering, when we pray, we actually show our dependence on God. We'll, we'll come to that here, so I don't want to spend too much time right now. And so prayer is, is an intricate part of God's purposes from the very beginning. You know, as early as, Genesis chapter 4, men began to call on the name of the Lord. If you want to go earlier in the garden, that Adam and Eve were communing with God on a daily basis. Uh, Later on, Elijah, in his great contest with the prophets of Baal, called upon the name of the Lord, and the prophets called on them, uh, on the names of of their gods, Baal. And so Elijah prayed in 1 Kings 18, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that You are God in Israel and that I am Your servant and have done all these things at Your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that You, O Lord, are God and that You are turning their hearts back again. And of course, we know how that turned out. The Lord answered by um, bringing down fire upon the offering and really licking up all of the the water that was filled up that, that had filled up the troughs, and so we see how God's glory is actually magnified in Elijah's prayer. No one said after that prayer, "What a great guy Elijah was." They they should have saw God's great work through Elijah and said, "What a great God!" And that's ultimately what prayer should do. It shouldn't draw the attention to us and see what a great prayer we are, but but what a great God. We serve, and that's what God wants to do through our prayers. In the New Testament as well, the calling out to God continued, but Christ taught that we should pray to the Father in His name. In John fourteen thirteen, Jesus says, "I will do whatever you ask in My name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father." So prayer is important because God uses it to make very clear that He is the one who blesses, and that's why we turn to Him. Because when He answers, we can immediately turn back to Him and say, thank you for blessing. When we don't pray, we, for, we fail to remember that. 
and when we pray, we give Him the glory. And so we want to keep that at the front of our minds. And so for the rest of our time together, we'll begin by thinking about why God has called us to pray together as a church. And then we'll consider how corporate prayer contributes to unity and then how we as members of this church can contribute to this unity by actively involving ourselves in the prayer life of the church. And so my hope today is that through the material that we cover, we'll have a better understanding of the importance of corporate or congregational prayer and that we'll be thinking more in a focused way about seeking opportunities to pray with other members in our church. So how can we do that? How specifically can we we do that? So let me begin with the word of prayer and we'll get started. Lord, we do count on you and we uh, we want to acknowledge that you are God in our lives. We we want to to learn from your word today. So help us as we look at these things and consider how we have prayed and how we ought to pray. And Lord, we we do thank you that that this church is marked by praying, that weekly believers gather to pray, and that that even apart from that, believers are get, are, are are praying on their own, and and even sometimes uh, when they come together, uh, just in in a few people. And so we're grateful for your grace in that way. Continue to help us to grow. We we want to be refined in this area. We want to be better prayers, and we know that we all could pray better. And that as a church, we certainly could, could improve as well. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, why is corporate prayer important? Why is corporate prayer important? Um, I would guess that when we consider the topic of prayer, the first thing that comes into our minds is our personal praying time. We think of ourselves praying by ourselves. And certainly, there's nothing wrong with that. We ought to be praying by ourselves. Um, We ought to be praying alone. Jesus did this, you remember, when He was um, just before the cross. He goes up to Gethsemane and leaves His disciples and goes up a little farther and prays alone. He would often do this during His ministry. He would find a place of solitude where he could get alone and talk to his father. And so, we have this with Daniel, we have this with David, we have this with all sorts of believers throughout the Old Testament and the New, where believers would pray on their own. But, on their own. but I wonder if you ever considered that the Lord's Prayer is actually not meant to be prayed alone. My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. And lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom and so on. Have you ever considered that? That even when Jesus taught His disciples to pray, He designed that they would be praying with other people. Now, to pray the Lord's Prayer in private and to understand what is not just as a rote memorization, vain repetition type thing, but to pray it and to actually mean what you're saying, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But what I'm trying to draw out is that that was not Jesus' intent in teaching His disciples to pray, was it? It was actually to show that disciples ought to be praying corporately, together, 
and obviously uh, uh, the the um, plural nature of prayer comes out. So, so what's so important about corporate prayer? We're going to look at several reasons. Number one, corporate prayer is important because God uses our prayer to unleash the power of the gospel and advance His kingdom. So turn to Acts chapter 4 with me. Acts chapter 4. And when someone read verse 31. The early church had a number of obstacles to overcome, including persecution. Yet, it continued to expand by the grace of God, and several times we see that the early church, when faced with persecution, would gather together to pray. And so this is what we're looking at here in verse 31. That Peter and John are released from prayer, and when they come together with the other believers, they gather and pray to God. They, they, they pray for His grace. I mean, we can go back farther in Acts chapter 2 and even see that that the believers were praying as they were awaiting God to send His Holy Spirit. And that would come by way of uh, the time of Pentecost there. Another example is when King Herod arrested Peter in order to place, uh, in order to please the Jews, you remember. And the church gathered together and was earnestly praying for him in Acts 12.5. The night before... Peter was put on trial. Peter was miraculously delivered from imprisonment, you remember. And, and they were actually at a house praying. Was it Rhoda's house, I think? Uh, someone's house praying when Peter shows up. And uh, we could talk about the fact that maybe they weren't praying with faith because when he showed up, they were surprised that he was there. They thought it was a ghost or something. And so... But the point I want to make is that they actually were praying. They were gathered together, unified around a a singular purpose to show their dependence upon God and to desire to see God act. They understood that if something was going to happen for the sake of the gospel, God had to act. It was God who had to do something. And so as a church, we should be praying together regularly for the advancement the expansion of the gospel in this country and around the world and specifically in our area. All right? Try to wake this thing up here. Number two, God imparts wisdom and guidance as the church prays. Corporate prayer was important for the early church in seeking God's wisdom. Turn back to chapter 1. And you remember, Judas no longer could be one of the twelve because he had betrayed our Lord and then had killed himself. And so they have to select another man, another man who would be able to take his place and be one of the twelve apostles. Look at verse 24. And would someone read verses 24 and 25?
All right? So they acknowledge that it's God that's going to have to to help them to make this choice. And ultimately, for them, they did the casting of lots, and we know that God answered their prayers by allowing them to choose Matthias. So, just a practical word of wisdom for us is that God will impart wisdom to us when we have to make those kinds of choices as well. And so, we ought to be turning to God. When we, when, when it, we have an opportunity to select officers at our church, we ought to not just come that night and say, oh, you know, I kind of like this guy. I kind of like this person. We ought to be praying about it. As a church, give us wisdom. Help us to find the person who's qualified, who meets the qualifications, and who, who would be appropriate for this office that's actually going to serve our church. And God, through the collective uh, understanding of believers who have been imparted with the Holy Spirit of God, will be able to make that choice, I think, to God's glory. Number three, God is glorified through our dependence on Him in united prayer. Okay, so this is just a repeat of what I what I have what I said at the very beginning when we were uh, when we were introducing this topic that we have to depend upon God through prayer. And when we come to God in prayer corporately, either when one person leads out or when we go into small groups and pray we are suggesting, we are saying to God that we depend upon You. And um, this is a good testament of our own faith, a good expression of our own faith, and it's also a good testimony to the watching world. Number four, God is glorified through the unity of our prayer. And I actually just put that blank in there inadvertently, so I had to give you something to fill in. So there you go. You got a period. Um, God is glorified through the unity of our prayer. See, when God's people are unified, this actually glorifies God. That's why in chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul calls the entire church to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. He doesn't say, one person, you need to somehow maintain the unity of the Spirit within you know, in, within this body. But it is the whole church gathered and, and working together and praying together that, that promotes this unity. When we pray together, we, we promote this unity among ourselves. And so, two things to take away from this section. First, prayer together is a means of God's grace in which we grow spiritually as we hear others commit to prayer. Prayer is a means of God's grace. Uh, the, the Puritans used to talk about means of grace. They would say that Bible reading and prayer and, and then listening to preaching were means of grace. There are lots of other things as well, like taking the ordinances and, or, or being involved in the ordinances and so on. But, but prayer was, was right up there at the top. One of the ways that God shows His grace to His people and causing them to grow spiritually is through prayer. Through corporate prayer. And then second takeaway here is that corporate prayer also can serve as a powerful witness to the watching world. It's a powerful witness. When they see the love and commitment that we have for other Christians and the fact that we're praying for them and that we're actually putting feet to our prayer, like my pastor used to say, 
that we would actually not just, okay, I'll pray for you. I'm actually going to, I'm going to do something to, to help in this way. So, why is congregational prayer important? Well, just very simply, God is glorified through congregational or corporate prayer. It actually promotes unity within our body. So now we want to turn to how corporate prayer promotes unity. So this is kind of the connection. The connection between prayer and unity. Before we get there, though, do you have any questions or comments? Mark. Absolutely. Um, well, God works through means. He doesn't work apart from means. And so, I'm not suggesting that a person can't get saved if you know a whole body of believers or someone close. Someone could actually read the scriptures and respond to God's word, not ever having any human contact. But generally, that's not the way God works. So, I would say that. God's the power of the gospel is actually restrained like it would be shackled without prayer. Absolutely. Yeah, because God works through means. So, um, so we could say, like, let's take the Elijah example. Not talking about evangelism there, but is God's power shackled? apart from prayer in the Elijah situation. In other words, would God have acted in the same way, do you think, if Elijah hadn't prayed? What do you guys think? It's a hard question to answer because we don't have any biblical text. But, you know, what about Daniel? What about David? God works through prayers. He doesn't work apart from... He doesn't generally work apart from prayers. And so what what I'm suggesting is that we actually uh, we want to it, it's similar to um, just speaking the word, right? We could say can people hear the gospel apart from me telling them? Can God save somebody here in Royal Oak apart from me telling them? Yes. But but if God has chosen somebody in this set, city and he wants me to go to them, and I'm not because, you know what, I just believe God is sovereign over all things, and He's just going to do it. Then I've actually missed the point of my own responsibility. And prayer is my responsibility. This is one of the ways that God works. He loves to work through people praying. Why does He love that? Because when we see Him act on our behalf because we've prayed, there's no other response we can have except for to say thank you God you know it, let, let's say I go to my neighbor apart from prayer never pray for him I just go to him and just keep giving the gospel how effective is that I mean does God want to see that person saved we say yeah but is God likely to do that apart from our prayer I would say no not likely Yeah. Um, 
probably a good book to recommend is um, J.I. Packer's Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. And what it does is it helps um, to paint in a better way than I just have the 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 um, the tension that there is between God's sovereignty. Because I think that's really what's at the heart of your question. God's sovereignty. God's ultimately sovereign over all things. And He's going to accomplish what He wants. And what we think is, well, then our prayers aren't important. And that's not what the Scriptures say. And so somehow those two things work together. Now, Packer doesn't actually determine how they work together specifically, but he shows that they're both there. And then he starts to show how they interact a little bit. So I would say it this way. A person can't be saved apart from God's sovereignty. And uh, a person can't be saved apart from human responsibility. So, so maybe that's not prayer specifically, but let's say for me, okay, when I came to Christ, we would say that I could only come to Christ because of God chose me, because of God's sovereign work in me, and we would be right to say that. But we would be wrong to say, I don't have to do anything. So for me, I don't have to call on the name of the Lord. I don't have to believe. I don't have to do any of those things. God's just going to magically change me. That doesn't happen that way. See, the Scriptures call for both. God is sovereign over all things, and He expects something of us. Somehow these work together, but the mystery of, uh, I guess I I should say, because of our finiteness, our finity, um, we can't fully understand them. But, but I would suggest to you that the less we pray, the less we're going to see God's sovereignty over our, our actions. Not, not that He's bound somehow and He can't control what He wants. He's going to accomplish what He pleases. But He loves to work through human means. So I actually have that book. It's just a really tiny book. Anybody who wants to use it, you could sit down and read it probably in less than an hour. You're welcome to borrow it. Trish. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, so James actually is a great answer to your question right there. You have not. You're restrained in what you're receiving, including in your evangelism, because you don't ask. You're not doing this side of the equation. Yeah, that's a great That's a great example. Bill. Yeah, you ask, that's the very next verse, I think, in James 4 there. You ask with wrong motives because you want to consume it upon your lusts. And so, you don't get what you receive. Paul? Yeah. God says, yeah, God says in the prophets often, I am God and there is no other. I will share my glory with no one. Okay, God, God doesn't want to share His glory. So if we go about all of our business without praying to God, 
then the temptation is going to be exactly what Paul's saying here, is to become independent. We're not dependent on you, God. We can do this on our own. We can save people. And obviously, we'd never say something like that, but in our actions, we do. And so, I, I think that's... Uh, I, I, I don't think prayer can be spoken of in, in much higher regard than, than uh, to see that it needs to be a regular part of who we are. Um, I mean, there, there's probably lots of ways we could answer that, but he would be at least part of it. I mean, our own flesh is restraining us. Well, we could blame it on him, but but ultimately it's we choose to, to sin. So, yeah, so it's our own flesh. It's the world system. It's, the, it's all the things that are opposed to us. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, um, God has designed a way for people to come to Christ, for example, and He wants to see it happen through prayer so that people will, will glorify Him. Well, let me get to this um, last couple sections here. How is corporate prayer, how does it promote unity? Number one, corporate prayer draws us closer together. When we pray together, we're in some ways leaving behind our selfish desires and focusing on God and others. So, for example, when we pray on Sunday evenings in the summer and on Wednesday evenings in the in the, the rest of the year, we pray for each other in various ways. We thank God for His grace in people's lives. We pray for others' physical health and for their spiritual well-being. We pray for their ministries. We, we, we pray for others. We hear them pray for us. And when we do that, it just naturally binds us together. So if you've had a regular group of people that you pray with on Sunday nights or Wednesday night, have you not found that your hearts have been knitted together with those people? And that's what it ought to do. We, should, we ought to be praying, and even with other people in your church, I mean, in our church that we're praying for. It ought to knit our hearts together with them, and, um, and that happens through united prayer. Well, certainly there's other ways that we can do this as we uh, pray as a family. You know, take some time maybe on Saturday or throughout the week to pray for the Sunday services, um, praying together before meals with other with other believers throughout the week. There's lots of other ways we could do this. Um, so, but we need to we need to move on here. Number two. Well, let me let me just say something about this application here. The second application, the last application under the first point there. When you think about prayer requests, think about what you could share with the congregation that will help draw us together and help us as a body. Think, think of a corporate prayer as think of corporate prayer as a service to our congregation, as a way that it will actually help us grow. So, you know, sometimes. Uh, you know, when we talk about a, a family member that's three or four families removed, just a really distant relative or some friend we know from because of seven levels of of uh, connection that we have, um, that may not actually help us as a congregation grow. So, what do we? What would be helpful? You ought to be praying for those things if you know those people, even by extension. You know, you ought to be praying for them. Maybe encourage. But, but as far as our church, what would actually help us as a grow, as a body to, to grow together in unity? And um, that means that sometimes you're going to ask the church to pray for spiritual things. 
And probably I should say that ought to be the primary thing that we ought to be praying about. I mean, Paul didn't keep people from understanding about his hardships that he was going through. But that's not primarily what he wanted them to pray about. Ultimately, he wanted to see God's work go forward. And so he, he, he prayed in 2 Corinthians 1 about you know, being under the sentence of death, that this persecution was so great. And so those problems that he was facing were important, but ultimately he wanted to see God um, grow, that, that he would pray for his own soul. We'll come to that here in just a second. Number two, corporate prayer fosters a God-centered, God-centered mindset. The more we pray together as a church, the more God-centered we'll become. Because remember, prayer reflects or shows our dependence on God and actually helps us to become more dependent upon God. And so there are uh, lots of examples we could go to where we see God glorified through our prayers in this way, in this way that, that it actually helps us come to a God-centered mindset, that we are uniting ourselves around the truth of God. Um, and so when we do this, we ought to pray with the Scriptures in mind. And I think I'm going to come to this just in a few seconds here, so I'll... I'll uh, hold off on that for right now. Number three, corporate prayer creates a unity of purpose. When we meet together, we regularly give announcements for the church, and Sarah actually puts announcements on the prayer sheets. So that's helpful for us because these are events that will be going on in our church and we ought to be praying for because every single event that we have at our church ought to have a purpose, a God-centered purpose, to actually build us up as a body, to teach us, to, to evangelize, to, to worship God. There, these ought, ought to have a specific purpose. So if we're listing announcements on the prayer sheet, which we are, then we ought to be praying for those things. Even if they're not listed, we ought to be praying for them. You see, so when we come together as a body, we think about these things. In fact, I do this uh, often on my own throughout the week. I, I have a, a list that I write out of all the things that I need to get done, and sometimes the same things pop up at the top of the list every week because I didn't get them done. Um, but often what I do when I see my to-do list throughout the day or for the week, I just start praying through that. God, help me be able to get this done. I, I don't know how I'm going to have enough time to, to be able to handle this thing. Lord, you know my, my thoughts about this specific thing on the list. I don't like doing this kind of thing. So would you help my heart? Would you encourage me and help me today through your Word? And, and so here's just some practical ways that we can do the same thing in a church body. Here's the big list of things that we're planning to do. And now, God, we entrust these to you because we want to see you work through them. All right, so how do we promote unity through private prayer? So we've been talking mostly about corporate prayer, but let's talk about a little bit about private prayer quickly. Number one, pray for the preacher in a sermon. We talked about this um, last Sunday when we looked at Ephesians chapter 6. Remember, Paul says, pray for me, that, that I will be able to speak boldly, that I won't minimize or marginalize the Word of God like I might be tempted to do so that people like me, but, but that I'll actually speak the, the gospel boldly and clearly no matter what people think of me. So pray for the preacher in the sermon. I certainly need your prayers. Number two, 
pray through the church directory. I mentioned this last week when we were looking at Ephesians chapter 6. Again, our church directory is not very long. We don't have thousands of names that you have to go through. You can very easily pray for every single member of our church in one week. Just pray through a page or two a day and pray for them by name. And pray. You know what kind of requests that they have? You know them because you talk to them. You see them every week. You greet them. You hear their prayer requests because you're at the services. So pray for them. Is God going to work apart from your prayers? Who knows? But you know what? God wants to work through your prayers. We don't know God's mind, but we are told to pray. And and if we can't... The, the exhortation I gave last week was, how can you say you love God if you don't love the your, who you haven't seen? if you don't love your brother or sister whom you have seen. 1 John 4. How can you say that? And one of the very clear expressions, the clear ways that you can show love to other believers is to pray for them by name. Not magic wand type thing. God, um, I almost advanced the slide there, but uh, God, you know, just do something over these people. Just pray for all these people. I mean, it's appropriate at times. Just pray for our whole church. Uh, my pattern has been to pray for the entire church generally every time I pray, every time, every every day when I meet God in prayer, to pray for the entire church generally, but then to pray for names specifically. So, so just like I just mentioned, go through the church directory and so that I'm praying for you by name. Wouldn't that be a great encouragement to other people in this church? You don't have to necessarily tell them. It might be helpful to tell them. It's encouraging when you come and tell me that you're praying for me, but and so it might be for them as well. But it's not about show. You got to be careful with your motives there. Um, but uh, but ultimately, we ought to be praying for for each other. Lastly, pray for serious. Pray for serious. Oops. Okay. We had a problem here. Um, pray for serious challenges and difficulties that our church faces. Do you know about any... Don't raise your hands. Do you know about any struggles in our church? Then pray for those things. The, 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 the exhortation that my pastor growing up used to say would be bad news up, good news down. So spread the good news to other people. Tell them how great God is. Take the bad news up to God. Talk to Him about it. Now, there's lots of ways we could qualify that. It doesn't mean we never say any problems. We never can approach anybody. You understand what I'm saying. But generally, our pattern is to just complain about it to other people. We know about all these problems in this very various areas of the church. And man, if I were leading it, this is how I would do it. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to pray for those problems. We're quick to, to, to point out the problems. We're quick to tell other people about the problems. But when was the last time we prayed for those things? You see? God is glorified through our prayer. And He wants to work through your prayers. And so to conclude this morning, um, we, want to, we wanted to see how prayer promotes the unity of the church and then look at various ways that our church ambassador can foster unity through praying together. We have opportunities to pray together. Take advantage of those. Sunday night services, Sunday morning services, we pray together. Um, But Sunday night, we spend a more special time doing that. Wednesday nights, uh, 
family, morning prayer times on your own, discipling relationships, and so on. Look for ways that you can pray with other believers. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank You for the gift that You have given us of prayer. We are, uh, we are frail vessels and we all often want to take the glory for ourselves even though we may not like to admit it. But when we fail to pray, we, we show that our dependence is not uh, on You at the time. And we do have seasons where we do that. So please prompt us and encourage us, help us. May the, the believers here in this church, the brothers and sisters in Christ that we love, may they help encourage us in this way. And, uh, and may You challenge and strengthen us through what You have taught us today and reminded us of in Your Word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.